All right, welcome back. This is episode, I think, 77 of Dear Baseball Gods. We've got a great guest. Dave Fisher is joining us. Dave is one of the pitching coaches from the University of Rhode Island, the Rhodey Rams. And uh, he and I met. Go Rhodey. Uh, go Rhodey. And he and I met. Hey, wait your turn until I introduce you, all right? <laughs> you jerk. Um, and Dave was a 18th round draft pick out of UConn, 2012. He and I met, was it last summer or the previous summer? I don't know. But we met recently. Uh, great baseball mind. We talked a ton about the mental game and. Uh, and really, uh, Dave is kind of one of those people who's like a connector. I'm kind of one of those people who is real scary and unapproachable. But Dave is, uh, we met at Saber Seminar, and he's one of those guys who can just seem to just work a room and become friends with everyone pretty easy. So I appreciate that about him, a quality I certainly <laughs> do not possess. Uh, but you pitched in the Washington National System from 2012 to 14, and then in the Twins System. And then you were in the Atlantic League a little bit. We, I don't know if we overlapped at all. I think we did for a brief minute. And then with the Rockland Boulders in the Can-Am League. So pretty long, uh, successful baseball career. Again, now a pitching coach. And uh, you've also spent some time with Cape Cod. Uh, so if you're not familiar with, the, familiar with the Cape Cod Baseball League, that's the, the premier level of college summer baseball. And uh, so you, you've kind of been around there and, and done everything as well. And lastly geography major so geography degree from UConn I have to give you a little grief about that so let, let's talk about the weather first Dave how's the weather in in uh in Rhode Island <laughs> it's great we had a we uh just got back from our first road trip in Texas we had a little snow this weekend when we got back so a couple I think we had about an inch of snow and it's wet and cold right on the coast here in Rhode Island but it's uh not too shabby it's good that's good that's good so I'm used to it you're used to it you know it yeah, so I have to give you grief. I feel like we're probably the two lamest. We're either the, the two most interesting or the two lamest baseball players. We have a, a philosophy major and a geography major. But so, are, are you like a certified cartographer? Or like what? Like just explain took, to me because I don't know. I did take cartography one and two in school, so uh, I don't know if I'm certified. But uh, yeah, I loved I loved uh, maps growing up, and uh, I kind of actually went to college as a physics major, and then. Uh, failed calc two and i decided all right i want to play baseball i kind of want to uh make sure i'm eligible and not not uh being dumb in the classroom so i talked to my academic advisor and we went with uh geography because i i love maps and I, there's actually a good amount of government jobs you can do with it and uh i really enjoyed it i actually had a i had a blast with it. i had a few other of my teammates that came on after me uh, that were younger than me that ended up doing it too so yeah it is it's a definitely an interesting one but uh, uh yeah. i loved it i thought it was fun so I'm sure you got the same question that I did, which is, what are you going to do with that? So what what is the answer to that question for a geography major? There is no answer for philosophy. There's just like be a philosophy teacher. But what's the geography yeah, answer? I have my uh, my stock answer at this point for that one. But it's uh, a lot of the times it's like kind of consulting work, whether that's for like engineering firms or for like government contractors, things like that. It'd be like uh, say someone's look, looking to put a, a hospital uh, in a city and they're looking for the best place to put the hospital based on demographics or where people are in the city sort of thing. Uh, how many people can reach it, how easily it's reached, stuff like that. Um, kind of figuring out those sort of things, kind of common sense problems that people don't really think about. And, uh, hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. So there's a few, a lot of, a lot of people in my program did that. A few kids actually work in the CIA for my program, which is kind of wild. They do uh, hmm. some of those drone mapping where they fly the drones and stuff. But, oh, that's yeah, there's there's some interesting interesting careers that you can do with it, but I uh, I didn't end up pursuing it. So it was uh, it was fun while I did it in college. But yeah, I just picture 
like uh have you seen the movie moonrise kingdom it's a wes anderson yeah. movie I, that's what yeah. i picture i just picture you in a canoe with a queen's <laughs> map just going around the country just doing uh, something i don't check, know checking it out no yeah. hey it's not far off it's not far off. we did have those those uh outings where we went out and did stuff like that but anyways i don't think people want to hear about the, the geography part of it <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're the probably the only baseball player they'll ever hear from, the only pitching coach they'll ever hear from, who was a geography major. So this is like a world. Actually, first. to 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 piggyback on this, actually, I just remembered, but I did my my senior project. I picked out 300 uh, major league baseball players, pitchers, and I mapped out or 150 pitchers, 150 position players, and I mapped out their hometowns, and I wanted to see if there was a correlation to where they came from in the United yeah. States based on if they, where they got, if they got to the major leagues or not. And what it came down to was positionally, it definitely had a, a factor, but pitchers was kind of all across the board. So the position players came from the traditional powerhouse states like Texas, Florida, California, and then the pitchers were kind of much more uh, all over the board. So that was what I did for my senior project, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember seeing a similar map, I think for maybe Tommy John surgeries, like mm. Southern pitchers versus Northern pitchers. And there, were, I'm pretty sure there were more southern pitchers because you know the year-round throwing usage, kind of yeah. But, but yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, and that makes sense because position players, how many ground balls can you take? Yeah, more refs. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. So <sighs> you've been with Rody for this is your, two, your second year now, right? My second year, second second season. Um, loving it so far. I can't can't complain. I have, we have an awesome staff working along. Uh, uh, obviously, Kevin Vance, the, the three-time participant of, of legend, this podcast, legend, yeah. legend, of, legend of the game. So uh, I worked directly with him with the pitchers, and then uh, Coach Dorado uh, brought me in, and then Coach O'Brien is our, our other assistant, um, and they're all awesome. I couldn't ask for a better group of people to work with. So take me through your role a little bit. I know you're, uh, you're as you and, and Coach Vance – kind of split pitching coach duties. I know you, it's uh, a passion of yours with the mental side of the game. So I know you take more of that stuff, but kind of take me through your your split here before we kind of double back and, and go through your playing career a little bit. For sure. So it's really nice. It's nice to have uh, two people just to kind of share some responsibilities and even just to, to bounce ideas off each other. Because I don't know about you, but I'd never played on a team where we had more than one pitching guy. And uh, even at the professional level or college level, you might have, a head coach who was a catcher, let's say it's, that's kind of the, the general head coach or managerial kind of position. Um, and then there's maybe two hitting coaches or two uh, assistant coaches, an infield coach and an outfield coach or obviously we're hitters. And then you have a pitching coach. So um, you have three guys working with all the position guys and, and then one guy managing all the pitchers. And, and sometimes that can be a lot. So the way we kind of go about it is uh, Kevin does all the kind of uh, working like with the pitchers um on the mound and doing all the mechanical adjustments and talking them through that stuff. That way we're not kind of crossing the communication, um, getting crossed up with that. So I'll do a lot of the, uh, the prep work and, and obviously we'll go over the guys before he goes and talks to them and kind of uh, make sure we're on the same page with everything. And then uh, generally he'll, he'll do stuff with them on the mound and then I'll talk to them afterwards about how they're feeling. And then uh, I do a lot in terms of the, the preparation and, and, uh, creating their routines and how to go about um, getting themselves prepared to pitch, uh, whether that's through our, our small weights program and our, our mobility stuff and, and all that. Um, the mental side of it is, is all me. I kind of uh, build out a curriculum for them and we, we do 
Uh, I know Coach Vance talked about barn talks when we were on here, but that's that was more of the physical side of stuff. But we do uh, we call them mental Mondays. They'll come in and uh, actually do. Uh, it's optional, but we do meditation in the morning on Mondays. I'm, I'm there most Mondays in the fall and in the winter. It gets tough in the spring. Um, I do a lot of stuff with that. I got a uh, Headspace account that we use that I uh, just my own personal account that they have the password to. So if if, if they get into it and they like doing that stuff, uh, um, we give them the resources to do it. And uh, that's kind of, that's kind of how we split it up, and it works really well. And, and I I couldn't imagine doing it another way just because it's it's a lot of work to to have one person handle. Yeah, for sure. And I know typically when things fall by the wayside, it's probably the mental stuff, right? Because it's one of those things that I think for a lot of players, they don't think they need it until, you know, it's too late or because until they're already broken and they think, oh, I just need to get bigger and stronger and throw harder and it's more physical stuff. But I think a lot of the outsiders don't realize that the mental part is terrifyingly big. Um, so what are, what are some of like the big core principles that you try to really push um, the kids and, and help them internalize? So a lot of times it's just uh, recognizing uh, when they're in trouble, their, the emotions they're feeling on the mound, whether that's anxious or nervous or uh, scared even. Obviously those are, are all the negative ones, but even on the positive side, like getting if they're too jacked up or their, their heart's racing a million miles an hour kind of, separating themselves and, and recognizing the moment like, all right, whew, I need to slow down and uh, step off the mound, take a breath, reset. And uh, I do a lot of breath work with the guys. If, if you've asked any of the pitchers on our staff, what coach fish says, it's, Hey, take a breath, man, slow down, uh, take a deep breath, get back to work. It's going to help clear up your mind because obviously the, the brain loves oxygen. It's going to help you think clear. And I, I had to go down this whole road, but it's, uh, uh, if you, you think clear, you're going to make better decisions on the mound. When you make better decisions on the mound, you're going to make better pitches. When you make better pitches, you're going to get um, more outs. When you get more outs, team's going to win more. When you get when you win more, scouts are going to come to see you because you're winning games. Your, your team's winning. When scouts come to see you, obviously, you're going to get an opportunity to play at the next level. And I kind of go down this whole path. So we get to the World Series sort of thing. And it's, it's a bit fun, and I know it's a bit ridiculous, but it does all kind of start with the breathing. And uh, I think it's super important. It's uh, it's something I, I sucked at as a player. I was terrible at it. And I think that's why I understand now how important it is because when I was in college, when I was in high school, when I was my first probably five years of pro ball, I was not prepared to handle a lot of those situations and I didn't know how to handle it. And uh, it took a long time of kind of me searching and, and some self-discovery to kind of get to the point where like, oh, wow, like imagine if you knew this back then where you'd be in a, a I just think I understand the importance of them to know it now versus uh, knowing it when I learned it at, at 26 or however, whatever age I was at when I learned it. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about that a bunch because, you know, the things you learned and, and what that means to not handle it, like it is a pretty vague thing. And I think a lot of people mm. don't realize what runs through your head on the mound and how you can actually just completely, I mean, <laughs> the, the story about uh, – a bases loaded jam I came in that Vance had created. I came in with no outs and the bases loaded to try to to get him out of it. And like that was like one of the most epic meltdowns of my career. And it was one of the, the last games, the second to last game of my career. And uh, so I can definitely elaborate on that later, but I want to hear your perspective. So, but fill us in a little bit before that. So, what kind of player were you in high school? How did you end up at UConn? And then how did you end up uh, getting selected in the, in the draft? So 
uh, I'm from upstate New York. I'm from a small town in upstate New York. Uh, good sports town. Everyone in my town played sports. Uh, uh, I played three sports growing up, volleyball, basketball, baseball. And uh, I my high school team wasn't very good. I just loved baseball. It was actually probably my, if I'm being honest, probably my third best sport, but it's the sport I, I like the most. Um, and I got I to gotta jump in. Did you, because there's not much male volleyball in, in my neck of the woods, did, bo- mm-hmm. did volleyball bother your shoulder? How did you balance those two? I feel like that's a tough sport to play. I've seen it with a lot of the girls that play softball. Yeah, um, it didn't. I, I I did have shoulder surgery, but I don't think it was a direct correlation from volleyball. I've gone back and forth on that. Um, I definitely. I, I think it helped my arm. Now that I think about it more, because it, 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 it definitely teaches your arm to move more independent of your body. Because obviously, you're, you're in the air when you're swinging. Your arm swinging volleyball. So it's a. Uh, it's aggressive. It's fast. So it definitely taught me how to have a quick arm. And I, I think it definitely helped me in terms of uh, my velocity, just because it taught my arm to move fast uh, without using my body. So um, I think it, it might've hurt me in terms of it. I didn't learn how to use my body as well. And I just trusted my arm. Uh, But I don't think just in terms of when I ended up needing shoulder surgery down the road, but I don't think it was a direct result of just like the usage of the volleyball stuff, but I did it. I did it year round too. I I remember we went to, uh, junior nationals for volleyball in Minnesota. And I got off the plane on the way back from that. And I went to the, went to the mound and I just pitched that day. And uh, that was, that was fine. It, it didn't really, didn't bother me too much. And you're, and for people who don't know, you're what, six, six. Yeah. Six, six to probably maybe just shy, but with shoes on, I'm, I'm probably six, six. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I, I uh, actually ended up getting drafted out of high school by the angels in the 44th round. Uh, got drafted three times actually. So, did that and chose to go to school, went to UConn, got recruited by them, had a blast, uh, had great teammates, had a ton of success there. Um, drafted again my junior year, um, played in the Cape, as you, as you said. I, I kind of got drafted my junior year, um, didn't work out that year, came back. And my senior year was the first year they changed it to 40 rounds. So I thought, okay, I'll come back for my senior year and, and see if I can make a little bit of money going in the top 10 rounds. Um, ended up going to 18th round. It worked out fine. I still had all the opportunities in the world. So it, uh, it was great. Got drafted by the Nationals. Uh, was with them for, for parts of three, parts of four years. Uh, I think parts of three years. Um, had all the uh, all the chances to succeed there. Um, they, I loved it. They were great. Um, I just couldn't put it together in terms of throwing balls and strikes. And it, that's that's baseball. You get released. So I, I got drafted three times. I got released three times. So I, I, get, I knew the gamut, gamut both ways. So uh, um I ended up next year. I pitched in the Atlantic League. Got released from there. Took the that rest of that summer off. Came back the next year. Pitched in the Can Am League in 2016. Um, and I actually that's kind of when the mental stuff. Those those two years when I got released for the first time um, by the Nationals and then again in Bridgeport. Basically, like within a year of each other, just being like, wow, like uh, what's going on? Like this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do, and now all of a sudden it's ended. So, um, I wasn't throwing strikes. I got a little yippy. I, I kind of, and you know, in independent ball, if you can't throw strikes, uh, that's it. So they, uh, I think we were playing at Somerset. I just fell apart and then that was it sort of thing. But. So w- when was your time with the twins? That was after the nationals? Uh, no, that was actually, I got picked up by the twins after I pitched in the Can-Am league with Rockland. So I, I pitched with them in 2016. I, uh, they had, it was awesome, actually. They had a ton of really good video. So I cut up a video for myself and just I put it out on Instagram, actually, and, and Facebook. And uh, uh, 
Eric Kretzi saw it actually, and I think mentioned my name to, uh, uh, I, I worked out at his facility for a long time. And he, he mentioned it to one of his friends. And then, uh, I happened to be playing abroad in Australia at the time. And one of the twins pitching coaches was over there. And, uh, I don't know if, it, if that was kind of another, just a connector too, but, um, couple good words and I, I just I finished so I played with them in 2017 and uh got released in August from them and then finished in rock on that next year and then I met you at Sabre Seminar so that's that's the the full gamut there but that's the backstory yeah mm. so take me through the mental woes because I don't think a lot of people appreciate it and I don't think a lot of players talk about it because it's hard for all of us to put ourselves out there and be like yeah like i'm this big like tough cool guy but when i get out there i get nervous and then i it like falls apart like i've been through it um you've been through it so take me describe your version of uh, of all that so that was basically it for me it was i was putting on a facade for most of the time and uh, i went into college and i was confident i i had a lot of uh confidence in myself but I got there and I didn't have a good baseball IQ. I just hadn't played enough baseball and, and I got there and I realized that. So instead of trying to kind of, um, I mean, I was learning all through college, but I just, I needed to try and stay. I felt like macho and, and feel like I, I was uh, um, the player that I thought I was in my own head, even though I, I wasn't thinking that at the time. And that made it really hard for me. I, 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 did, I did fine through college. And then I think uh, my junior year, I actually kind of, the draft was funny. My junior, I got drafted in the 16th round by the angels again, out of high school, but there was like a paperwork issue, like a, a uh, there's like a, you have to sign like a draft paperwork after you get drafted the first time. So you're basically not in cahoots. If the same team wants to draft you again, your junior year, I guess something got lost in the shuffle either. I didn't hand it in or, or something happened. So I got drafted by them. They gave me a call. And then 20 minutes later, they called me and said, Hey, we, we can't draft you sort of thing, which, sucked and then so that kind of got to me and then I, I just the, the machismo part of it was like all right I just got to keep being being tough it's going to be all right and, and push through and that was kind of the, the first domino to fall where it was like man like uh, that's just some bad luck and and uh, uh, it affected me for a long time and it, it made it really hard and when I was finally moving on I kind of I kept it as a chip on my shoulder for too long it was something I couldn't I couldn't control and it took, it took a long time for me to get over that. But um, that's what it came down to is I wasn't able to control a lot of uh, the things that I was getting upset about. And I didn't really, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to do it well. So I, I tried to teach myself and um, I did that stupidly. I did it what, with um, trying to be macho and push myself through situations when I wasn't, wasn't having success in those situations. So I'm, I'm not doing a great job explaining it, but. Um, so is it that, you know, when you get into trouble in the mound or was it more off the field stuff, like affecting your prep or affecting your just overall outlook on whether you could off of, succeed or. Yeah. The, the succeed part was definitely part of it, but off the field stuff was the preparation. Um, I tried to do a good job with that, but it was just a, uh, it was more of, I had been hurt a couple of times. So I was trying to figure out like, all right, I know, I'm, I know I can do these things, but why am I not having the same amount of success as these other people? And, um, I figured it out now. And it was just a lot of the stuff was, uh, I wasn't doing the right things for my body to keep myself prepared. Um, my mechanics were a little iffy and I look back on it now, like, man, like, how do I not know these things? Like you can't get upset at yourself for not knowing things at the time. Yeah. And 
um, just just pushing through that. So I, I ended up when I was with the Nationals, I had some elbow issues and, and ended up getting released and, and went to uh, um, do some rehab for that. And basically, I wasn't throwing strikes. I, I kind of had a, a it was basically the yips sort of thing. I, I, that's why I got released in Bridgeport. I actually charted it out one day. Uh, I, I was in Somerset and I hit four guys in two innings and uh, walked another three or something like that. I was throwing behind guys and it was just, I had the yips and I, I needed to take some time off and, and kind of collect myself. And um, it was hard to deal with, especially when you, your whole identity is wrapped up in, in being a baseball player. And, and when someone tells you you can't do that anymore, it's, it's tough. So it, it just, it took a long time for me to do that. And I had to learn the hard way by myself because of that machismo personality that I was trying to do. I was too stubborn to kind of ask for help or, um, put myself out there to, to really see if, if someone could help me sort of thing or, or look into what I could do to, to work on that mental side of it because I just was too prideful. So, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't need the help. I don't need, uh, I think that's pretty common with baseball players. Yeah. So what is it like to be on the mound not knowing where the ball goes? I mean, that's just like a big snowball effect, isn't it? I mean, ta- yeah, it sucks. <laughs> the yips are crazy and people, I don't think they can, they just like can't relate to it, but, it's a terrifying thing. So what, what, what did the yips feel like for you? It was, uh, you know, what's going on. I wasn't, I wasn't oblivious to it. I wasn't ignorant to it. It was, and I think that's part of the, part of the issue, obviously, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I knew it was happening. I was like, man, and, and you just have no confidence. You're just like, all right, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. You're kind of, um, you're just like in a haze. You're just out there by yourself and you're out there on the mound. You're like, all right, I got to throw it, but I don't, I don't know where it's going. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. So, um, I, I took some time off and I, I worked another job, um, and thought I was done playing basically. And then got the itch again. And, uh, uh Mike, one of our, our, our mutual friends, Mike Reinold, I actually rehabbed with him and he helped me kind of through that, that period of my life too, to just kind of get myself back on track and, and, uh, get my arm healthy and teaching me about how to take care of myself and, and, how to use my body and, and fix up some mechanical issues and, and, and things like that. And it helped a lot and uh, it didn't fix it at all. Or it didn't fix, excuse me, not at all, but it didn't fix it totally. It still was something I had to deal with for most of my career. And uh, as you can, you can, if you want to go look at my numbers, I probably walked a guy in inning for most of my career, but I managed to play six years. So I, I, I guess there's something in that, but um, yeah, it's tough. It was really tough. And, and uh, not knowing how to deal with that was something that, I struggled with. So I, I thought when I'm going into coaching now, I think that's really important to teach those guys, those things. So that's what I've been trying to do at URI. So if you could go back and it's, it's funny that you've brought up like two different things this week from my, that I've covered in my vlog. So then this, this past week, I took two videos of myself on the couch in my house and I spliced them together and it was kind of annoying and complex to get it to like sync up, even though, so I had, me like today's me sitting on the left side of the couch lecturing my old self about two main things that you've mentioned number one which is like getting yourself out there and advocating for yourself I mean you did that video that helped you get signed by the twins for whatever Mm -hmm. reason that's like my number one regret about my playing careers for whatever reason I never wanted to do that I never sent emails to scouts in the winter I felt I don't felt scared or if I was just like this isn't I don't know I just didn't want to make myself a billboard. I felt nervous about it. And who knows what would have happened if I had done that. Uh, and then the other thing was, well, I actually forgot at this moment, but I'll, I'll, I'll catch it later. But um, what would, oh, it, it, was, it was basically just me 
if you could go back and tell your prior self what you know now, what would you tell them to to rectify the yips or to to eliminate that? Uh, that's funny, just because like I've learned so much even just in these two years as a as a pitching coach, um, just mechanically. And, and I played three sports, so I didn't really focus on baseball too much. Uh, in terms of, I just did it when I, it was the season, uh, as is the, the case with most kids who play three sports. And um, I think I just would have told myself to not be so stubborn to listen and uh, um, try and try and think about what I was actually doing on the mound versus just going out there and, and throwing and have a plan and kind of get organized before I would go out and throw. So, yeah. um, and I used to get upset at myself for that too. But like I said, it, it, you can't, you can't get upset at yourself for things you didn't know at the time. Yeah. But if you were mid, and then, if you're mid yips, if you're like, it's the seventh inning, and you just hit two batters in the head, and now you're three and zero. What what would you tell a kid who is doing? If you're walking onto the mound to meet yourself, what would you say? Um, so that's the breathing is a big part of me because a lot of it was I would get caught up in the moment and I would just be like stunned and I would kind of shut down physiologically I just would my I would freeze up I'd get tense and I, a lot of that I think was just because I was so nervous that I wasn't breathing and I think just the the taking a deep breath it's gonna like I said it helps your mind but it also helps your body it gets the, the blood to your muscles it's gonna relax you it's gonna pick up fix some of those uh mechanical issues itself just by taking a breath because if you just take a and just let it out it's gonna relax those muscles it's gonna give yourself a chance to get yourself in positions to succeed from a pitching standpoint again, which is super, super important. And uh, just taking a second and not just kind of becoming robotic and just being like, man, I just want to get this over with, just step on the mound, throw, step on the mound, throw, step on the mound, throw. So I, that, I think if I had to do it and there was that just in that moment on a mound visit, that, that'd be what I would tell myself. Yeah. Just, just breathe. And it's, it's funny that people, again, when you haven't been through it, you think, oh, what a, oh, you just tell them to breathe and they fix the yips. Like it didn't fix Chuck, hmm. no, it didn't fix Chuck Knobloch or Rick Ankeel, but it's like it is that simple and it is also that complex because it's not like you stand on your right foot and touch your nose and then remind you know like go to a, a tropical island. It's just hmm. trying to get your, it's trying to re, regain control over your limbs by giving away the control because that's it's like a paradoxical problem because when you like yeah. oh, i gotta throw it in ex in this place you start to control your body like a like a man in a in an earth mover in a caterpillar you know and that's not how you have to be you have to just be relaxed and let the ball happen and like let the let the pitch happen let the ball come out like a whip and it's yeah like exactly that, it's like that whole like hey don't think of a pink elephant thing Mm -hmm. it's just the like classic uh, yeah. the uh, mental game of baseball 101 right there it's like the first chapter sort of thing um but yeah it, I, I and i think it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see what what people do with it going forward because i think we're so much smarter now in terms of what we do with our bodies and and the mental game is becoming so much of a bigger part but for a while people thought i think it was uh just a mental thing for for everyone and i i think it's it's part mental but i think it's foolish to think it's either just mental or physical it's a combination of both obviously so yeah. Because we're so much smarter with the mechanical stuff, I'm, I definitely had didn't have ideal mechanics for it either. So it was a combination of hey, just taking your time uh, 
with the mental, the mental side and taking a breath, slowing it down, but also like, Hey, you, you do need to be doing some things to fix yourself mechanically, because when you do have good mechanics and you do have those things, you're going to give yourself confidence because those are going to help you clean up and, and throw more strikes. And, and that's going to help you on the mental side too. So it's a two way street. Yeah. So between games, do you, I'd be curious to hear as so I'll, I'll share my experience. So between games and you know this, like when a reliever, cause relievers throw every day. So when we're playing catch in between games or in pregame, everyone's working on something. You go through your normal pregame routine, but with a lot of guys, you see them, maybe they had a bad outing and they're doing extra dry work or extra drill work, or they're throwing extra sliders because they hung a couple or whatever it is. Um, That's like one response to having a bad outing. But you know, as well as I do, if you have 50 relief appearances in a summer, you're just going to have bad outings. And sometimes they're just going to be bad for no good reason. They're just, you know, they just got hits and the ball fell in and whatever. Um, and so a thing for me that I learned over time, and this definitely changed because when I was younger, I was always trying to fix what was wrong. And as I got older, I think one of the things that helped me be successful was that I didn't try to fix things when I wasn't sure something was wrong. So when I would have bad outings, I would not do more drill work the next day. I would not throw more curveballs. Um, you know, like maybe if I, like if my curveball felt wrong or whatever, like obviously you always want to work on tuning things up that need to be tuned up. But I was never a guy who would go do extra stuff just because I had a bad outing because I didn't want to give power to the bad outing. It's like just because I pitched like crap on Tuesday doesn't mean – I need to fix myself. doesn't mean I'm broken. doesn't mean I won't just pitch like normal on Wednesday. And for me, that was a positive thing. But then on the other hand, my last season when I had some, like I had a lot of shoulder pain and I was trying to work some things out mechanically to alleviate it. And I got, and so I was doing extra work before the game, like in pregame, I'd go out there by myself before everyone else came out and through. And I actually got labeled as being a head case because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're like, oh, there's blue. Like, he's not pitching well. I mean, it was from my pitching coach. I mean, and it's like, look, dude, I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm out here for a reason. I'm struggling, and I have a plan to fix it. So just if you don't like it, I don't care. Just leave me alone. But I have a reason I'm doing what I'm doing. So I know there's give and take on do I need to do something more to fix myself because I didn't pitch well, which was definitely the case in my last season, or – do I just need to be like, look, sometimes bad outings happen. Screw it. I don't need to fix anything. They just, that's just the ups and downs of baseball. So how do you counsel your guys on that, on the, the ebb and flow and the, you know, the waves that they experience during a season? Yeah, that's, that's basically exactly what I, what I try and do at URI is, is how to, how to manage that for the guys. And, and uh, the best, the simplest way to put it is uh, preparation breeds confidence. So, uh, and, and, having good preparation comes from our routine. So it took me until probably I was 26 that year I was with Rockland to, to finally have a really good routine in pro ball, just because you've said on a few other of your podcasts that um, it's different than college and it takes you a little bit of time to kind of find your rhythm and stuff. Yeah. But um, when you have that routine, you have the baseline to go back to um, when you do have those bad outings, it's, it's something that you can rely on and you know that, okay, that's fine. Whatever. I had a bad outing and uh, I'm just going to go back and, uh, trust my routine and trust my preparation and continue to do what I've been doing to this point and having success success with that. And uh, 
stick to that, and it's it's super important. I, I, my pitching coach when I was in Rockland, he's actually uh, with the with the Twins now, uh, Richard Salazar. Um, he he said a, a a quote or something he had heard maybe from another pitching coach, but it really resonated with me. He said, in in our independent ball season, we had 100 games. If you're a starter, you're pitching every five days. You have 20 games, and it's uh, um, five of those games you're going to dominate and you're going to be unhittable. Five of those games you're going to be terrible and you're just not going to have those stuff. And then those 10 in the middle are going to be the games where you're going to have to find it and kind of work through some things. And and the closer you can get to have those ones to be the dominant side than the other side, the more success you're going to have. And I think by having a good routine and good preparation and good um, a good process going into every start is going to get you more likely to be towards that that positive side towards that negative side. So I work a lot with the guys on, on creating a good routine and sticking to that because when you do get into trouble and you do need that, take a, take a second where it's second and third, no outs and, and your the anxiety is through the roof and you need to step off and take a deep breath. It's all right, let's, let's go back to my pre-pitch routine and, and stick to that and, and trust what I've been doing in my preparation to give me, to lead me to the success I'm going to have on the mound. And uh, I, I played other sports, so I try and use examples from other sports a lot, but I use uh, foul shots in basketball for a pre-pitch routine. So uh, I actually just came from, I was coaching youth kids, but I, I do it a lot with youth kids. Like, hey, what, you play basketball, what's, what's your foul shot routine? And every one of them knows it without a doubt through and through. Like, oh, it's, I, I use mine as an example. Mine was three dribbles and a spin. I always caught it on the, the blank side of the ball and I shot my free throw. And uh, I asked him, okay, well, what's your pre-pitch routine? And none of them have an answer ever. So it's, it's something simple, whether it's just a, a mound wipe to clear it or uh, stepping back on the mound, looking into the pitch, taking a deep breath, but having that consistent pre-pitch routine to get yourself prepared, similar to golf, similar to a lot of other sports. Um, I think that's what's going to help you have success in those situations and, and uh, to fix those, like you were saying there, the, the, the issues you might have when you, when you get those spots on the mound. Yeah. So I know golf, you know, it's, it's so hard to be as consistent as you want. And free throws is a great example. The, uh, it's hard to know. I think it seems easy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It seems easy to just like make a routine, like, Oh, I'll just do these couple of drills and these couple of things. But since every pitcher is a little different and everyone's especially, especially mindset is different. It mm-hmm. actually becomes really tough to figure out like what, who am I? What, sh- what do I want to be like? Like, am I trying to make myself, as calm as possible on the mound, as aggressive on the mound as possible as, you know, like you said, you don't want to be too amped up. Well, it's like, well, how amped up should I be coach? Should I be a 7.1? Should I be a 7.6? <laughs> it's uh, like, no one has an answer until you've kind of like tried it all. And you try to like follow the breadcrumbs, I guess, because some people are more aggressive and need to be less aggressive. Some people are more aggressive and need to be more aggressive. It's yeah. I, like, I think, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a personal journey for everyone. It's, it's what's going to work for you. Um, and I think that's another thing I, I work on with the guys. And I think uh, some of the, the meditation stuff we do, it's just learning to, to recognize who you are as a person and, and what works for you um, goes a long, long way in, in teaching that stuff and the self-awareness and, and, and knowing, like, all right, I'm not a guy that, like uh, I've heard you say and, and knowing you now for a little bit, you're not a guy I would imagine that was screaming and yelling, pumping his chest, hitting his chest, coming off the mound after a big strike. I was just kind of going about your business and finishing it. And, and you knew that. And I think the sooner kids can figure out who they are as a player and, and be comfortable in their own skin, because like I said, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin early on in my career in college. And I was trying to pretend to be someone that I wasn't. And I think that hurt me down the road. It was, it was, I didn't learn how to deal with those 
failures and how to work through them and, and create them within my own image of my own self because I didn't understand myself. So the sooner we can we can do that as players um, and as coaches, we can help our players to do that, um, the better off they're going to be in the long run. Yeah, and your and your coach, you mentioned the the breaking your twenty starts into you know five great, five terrible, five mediocre. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I got told that for the first time when I was twenty, maybe in college. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's like, look, your your career is going to be in. You could break it up into four four games, so you're going to be like you said, lights out one game and terrible another, and you're going to win and lose those two. But you know, good pitchers are three and one. Bad pitchers are one and three, and what you do on the two games where your arm like doesn't feel that great or it kind of hurts or you just the ball's coming out whatever it's like the best pitchers they find ways to win they find ways to mentally make their stuff better and compete and are good for their team and and that's true I mean you see like it you know with all these premier major leaguers like you see Max Scherzer when he's got his the game that he wins stuff he punches out like eighteen guys but he doesn't punch out eighteen guys every time and then sometimes he gives up six runs. But a lot of times he'll he could probably strike out five or he could strike out nine, depending on who he is. And of course, he always mm-hmm. seems to choose to strike out eleven. You know, when he's not at his best. So yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. it, it really is an important mm-hmm. lesson. We use him a lot as an example. I mean, it, it was cool the the couple of years ago when you had Kluber win the Cy Young and you had Scherzer win the Cy Young. It's like, all right, those are two completely different pitchers and how they go about their business. And and to use them as an example for kids is is awesome because you can just here, here they are guys they're right here in front of us and you watch a video on them and there's one way to do it and there's another way to do it which kind of both ends of the spectrum where are you in that and and be comfortable enough to just buy into to what's going to work for you and uh yeah it's it's i i take an immense amount of pride in trying to figure that out with the guys so it's fun yeah so what would you say were your influences as far as you know mental training or meditation you know this was what I studied in college so I had like sort of a foundation of it but you know where did you where did you get into and I I heard you mention the app headspace which I actually haven't used but I've heard of but um who are your who are your baseball mental gurus Ooh, um I didn't really have anyone specifically within baseball but um, I think that year I took off, I got, it was, I worked for a startup. So I was trying to, uh, just being curious, having a growth mindset, trying to, trying to get better. I was listening to podcasts on startup stuff. So I was listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast and I kind of got into that and, and just some of his guests having them on and, and learning through them kind of like, all right, there, there's other ways to do things, uh, that helped me a lot. Um, and then for, I guess for the, the, I found out about Headspace through some of those, those podcasts, which is great. I think everyone should have that. They have, it's free and uh, there's, there's, um, I don't even know what to call them. I guess there'd be guided meditations that you can do for free. I think they have 10 free ones before you can decide if you even want to buy it or not. But so I, I, I read uh, the obstacle is the way pretty, pretty classic book to read for uh, mental training for a lot of athletes, I think in terms of the last 10 years, um, really good book by Ryan holiday. And, and that one helped me a lot just in terms of, uh, st- the stoicism. It's, it's kind of a more of a modern take on stoicism, how to apply to, uh, um, it to everyday life now, whether that be athletes or, or anything else in life, um, business, whatever. So that was definitely one of them, but I didn't have one specifically within baseball. And, and I think, like I said, I was too proud or macho to, to look for that in baseball. And it took me to get away from baseball to do that. And, uh, and then when I came back for the kind of the, the, 10 months that I'd taken off before 
um, my season with Rockland, that that's what helped me the most is I, I kind of found it outside of baseball for whatever reason. And, uh, then I used it when I got back into baseball and that's kind of what was the turning point for me in terms of, uh, it's like, wow, like this, like, I can't believe I didn't think of to use this stuff earlier or even get into it. And, uh, uh, I just understand it's important so much more now because of that. And it, like I said, it took me, uh, failing, getting released twice and, and injured and getting the yips to be like, man, like, like, all right, like you can do this. You can, you can kind of come back from these sort of things using these mental skills and these mental tools to, to put yourself in a position to succeed again. You just didn't know how to do this before. And it was, it was actually super exciting for myself. I was like, wow, like this is awesome. And I'm definitely a, a self-discovery advocate. I think it's the best way to learn. It might be a little bit slower, but I think it's going to stick a lot, a lot more. And unfortunately that's kind of what I had to go through to, to do it. But, um, it, I think that that was kind of what my, uh, my inspiration came from. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's annoying how stupid our old cells were. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is. It really is. My, my brother was as big into philosophy like yourself too. So he, I talked to him a, a lot about that stuff and, uh, he taught me a lot. He, he was a catcher at Columbia university. So he's a smart guy. Um, he was lucky to have Pete Mackey as a pitching coach when he was wow, there. So Pete. he, yep. He, uh, he helped him a lot with that stuff. And, and my brother is, I've looked for, to him for guidance and as an older brother, cause he's, he's so much, more cerebral than me in terms of just uh, recognizing that stuff and uh, yeah he's he was a huge help too yeah it's uh it, it's funny how everyone experiences change differently and like you touched on the identity stuff which i'd love to get back to because that's been a i mean a big thing in both of our lives in the last two years like it's really tough walking away from the game and figuring out like where you're going like you don't really walk away mm -hmm. from the game you really just kind of like wander you stagger and try to like figure out what is happening but you know it, it's weird how you kind of go back on everyone asked me that same question like what are you gonna do with philosophy what are you gonna do with philosophy well, like as each day goes by i do like more and more with it <laughs> and, yeah you're using it you use it every day and it's uh i think it's one of those majors that might come back in a little bit but even if it doesn't it's just like seems like it's doubling back in the real world like you said with Ryan Holiday's book, which I haven't read yet, but I need to I need to read. It's been on my list. It's I good, yeah. I highly recommend it. And uh, you know, like Mark Manson's book, the the subtle art of not giving a fudge. Um, yeah, <laughs> I really I enjoyed that, that one. I I resisted it because I didn't like the title. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just gonna be, you know, this is like a spammy title. It's like clickbaity, uh, but it was like a good layman book. Like I didn't want to like it, and I liked it because it it, mm -hmm. it was relatable. Like. I think I thought it's he did human. a good job. It was, and the narrator was also really good. So whoever I can't remember his name, but at the time I'm like, "You're my favorite narrator." I don't know who yeah. you are, but he actually reminded job. me of you when I was listening to it. If I'm being honest, just like I just thought it was uh, funny because I, I listened to it on audiobook too. So it was, it, it's funny you say that. It's good. Well, uh, he was gonna, he was going to be my pick if I a was going to not narrate my my own book, which I am, mm -hmm. or b if I could afford it, which I couldn't. Uh, it's like five grand to get an audiobook done because it's not e it's not easy work, um, and he was really good at making inflection, Time. which mm. I don't think I'm yeah he was inflection. like he when it needed to be like when he needed to say the f word really well, like, <laughs> he was like hitting the gong on those f words. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a solid book. I mean, what do you think? Like for college guys, do you feel like they'll read a book on mental training? Obviously, you have to read stuff when you're in college, but 
I feel like one of the tough uh, parts with mental training is that there's not a lot of resources out there for younger players that they would ever want to digest. Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to do it. It's been on my to-do list. I have all the books already picked out, but I, I have we have a kind of a little mental corner that I've put together in, in our hitting facility, our barn, and uh, I have a, a pile of books. The only reason I haven't put it there is because I don't want people taking the books and not bringing them back. But I mm-hmm. basically have like a just a something. Hey, if this is here, if you guys want to want to look at it, it's it's these are resources. By all means, you can take them, use them, read them, return them. But they all, they all have uh, like a carpet. They have like a carpet square and like the little sippy cup. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to have like a sign out sheet or something. So that's <laughs> that's kind of the only reason I haven't done it yet, just because like yeah, I don't want to lose these because I I enjoy myself. But um, yeah, I think it's I think just for for kids in general, I think it's getting better. But um, learning those skills and how to deal with uh, just our emotions and then recognizing like. You don't need to be completely consumed in this, and it doesn't need to, to um, uh, make the, the your day worse or, or make your day better. It's just this. Hey, this is an emotion I'm feeling right now. Like, let's just kind of, all right, that's that's fine, and, and then let's move on. Um, and that's a skill I think a lot of kids aren't learning at a young age. I definitely didn't learn it, so I try and do that with our guys. And just like I said, we kind of have a little mental skills curriculum that I do with those mental Mondays that. Um, we go through and we talk about that stuff. It's, it's, uh, um, it's important. And, uh, I don't have the, I wish I could kind of go into detail on the material right now, but I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me and I'm not, I don't want to do myself a disservice just reading it off the top of my head. So. Yeah. <clears throat> do you have any of the, uh, one of my favorite things that I studied was a lot of the samurai, the, the Asian, Asian martial arts. And mm-hmm. There's so much good thought there because I mean, they knew like if you're afraid in a battle like you're just gonna it's gonna be over really fast because the swordsmen you know they were so skilled that you know you see these crazy sword fight scenes in movies you know i can't think of anything i don't know was jet lee one of the one of the yeah, actors sure. good i can't remember. but you know there's like incredible sword play in movies and it's so fast and you're like how do they like counter those moves like how are they doing that? like martial arts they're artists they're incredible and it really is something where they have to just flow and it's just a reaction and they counter like they can't think because when you think as a as a pitcher, you then just like throw the ball and you hit the bull. <laughs> I watched Bull Durham exactly, two yeah. nights ago. <laughs> like you could if you like insert your brain into one of those muscle fibers, it just like destroys the whole chain and the whole thing just gets screwed up. And in sword play they knew that. So everything they just did so much meditation and there were so many good books written on having an unfettered mind. I mean, there's a book called The Unfettered Mind and just just being clear and free and just flowing. And then if you flow and you have this mind like water that can just go where it's needed, then you'll have your best possible chance. And uh, so that was really impactful for me back in at 2021, even though I didn't end up using any of it Yeah. until a lot later, because I think it's, and you, you could speak to this. It's probably one of those things that players maybe don't, they probably like listen and maybe indulge you, but they don't really maybe, have it sink in until they're really challenged by it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think just even because I know they're not going to retain everything. And we know that as coaches, you, you teach and uh, you try and you help them out as best they can, but they're going to learn when they want to learn uh, and what they want to learn. So regardless of kind of, of how well we do it, and, at least in my opinion, and uh, it might just be a certain point in their life where it clicks and, uh, Part of the the obstacle of the way, one of my favorite parts of it was it was talked about uh, 
defeating our emotions with logic and uh, basically just like, all right, I'm noticing I, I'm freaked out right now. It's second and third, like crap. It's a tie game. It's the bottom of the ninth. Uh, I have no one out. Like we're in a tough spot here. It's like, all right, well, I'm, I recognize the situation. I'm smart enough to do that. I know how I'm feeling right now. I'm smart enough to realize like, all right, I'm, I'm worked up. Okay. Like step off. Like I said, take a breath, but are any of these emotions that I'm feeling right now helping me complete my objective at hand? And the answer is no, more times than not. And a lot of times that just dissolves the anxiety or the fear or the um, um, nervousness that comes with that. And that helped me a lot. So we talk about that a lot with our guys that just to, all right, if, if you're feeling these things, just recognize that and, and uh, ask yourself a question. Is, is this going to help me throw the next pitch down away for a strike? Or is, is this going to help me execute a slider to this right-handed batter? Um, no, it's not. So it, it just makes it that much more simplified and streamlined. And uh, yeah, it might take kids a couple failures or maybe 10 failures or for me, five years of pro ball and getting yeah. released three times to figure it out. But um, the sooner we can kind of get them to be like, all right, like if we can just think through this and be logical about it, it's going to help us in terms of executing the task we need to do as a hand, at hand as a pitcher. Yeah, and I, I think, and that was a really good point, and I think one of the things that you learn over time is which button do you push when you're in trouble? Like, for mm-hmm. some people, it might be the, all right, this is the logical approach to how I'm feeling. Like, I, there's this isn't helping me if I'm feeling this emotion or this way, like you said. And then for other people, it might be something completely different, and then for someone else, it might be to relax, and someone else might be to be more aggressive. Like, for me, I learned over time that my switch was – it was taking a deep breath, but then I would like distinctly fear, feel like a fight or flight. When I got in those situations, I would feel myself just like kind of like you make your turtle head. <laughs> and uh, I would just like I could feel myself want to flee and be scared and, and, and then like ease off and try to hit my spot and be real precise. And that was that always made things worse. And I figured mm-hmm. that out over time. That I wasn't a, I, I couldn't morph from like a semi power pitcher because you and I both played when the era where like 92 was fast. Um, now, like middle schoolers throw that hard. But back when I threw it at 92 and it was considered fast and I had some life on it, uh, if I got that little, if I listened to the, the angel on my shoulder who said, just hit your spot, uh, I sucked. <laughs> you know, I threw 91 and the guy's teed off on it. But if I listened to the devil who was like, listen, we're just going to put your head down and we're going to tackle the hitter in his chest. Uh, that one, that was the button that I had to push. I had to mm-hmm. like, really kind of get a little bit stern with myself and be like, no, you're backed into a corner. You're going to, you're going to take a step towards this guy and you're going to throw the first punch. And that was how I got better. And then after I had made that first like attack move towards the plate and ram that first pitch in there, then I'm like, all right, I like, I'm underway. Like I can do this. I can start digging myself out. So that, that first like shovel full of digging yourself out, I think is unique to everyone. And uh, like you said, it, it, it sucks that you, it takes so long to figure it out because there's no, there's no like magical answer. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I love coaching so much. Cause it's, uh, I like to think I had the ability to kind of get to the highest level. And if I just had these, these tools and these, um, these, thought processes that I could to use to help me uh, back then, I'd like to think I, I would have had a better shot at it. And uh, I think if I can give that to a kid who was in a similar spot to me, that that's what's most rewarding to me about it. But 
Um, and it goes back to kind of what we were saying before uh, with uh, Coach Vance always talks about find, finding your edge. And it kind of sounds like uh, what kind of pitcher are you? Are you a guy that works better when you're jacked up or better when you're kind of calming yourself down and, and finding like your little zen, zen piece or zen place on the mound to, to go to work and, and keep that focus? But find what, what's going to work for you. Uh, so Coach Vance, obviously, our, our pitching coach here at URI, but um, he – he says it all the time, find your edge. What's going to work for you? It doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be different for everyone. It was uh, one of my teammates. This is a quick, funny story. But one of my teammates in college, he's probably our strongest player. It's actually uh, John Andrioli. He's uh, been up, up and down a little bit in the big leagues with a few different teams. Uh, uh, he's one of the strongest kids on the team, and he was squatting. And uh, he told us a story. We're like, man, like, John, what do you what do you tell yourself right before you're putting, like, 500-plus pounds on your back? He goes, I just imagine – uh, a stranger walking down the street and pushing my mom down and stealing her purse. And then I just go to work and I was like, <laughs> all right, man, I guess that's your edge. Like he's, he's kind of a more of a kind of an intense individual than me, but that's, that's how he did it. And uh, that's worked for him. And uh, that's not going to work for everyone, obviously, but it's, you need to, like I said, it's learning who you are as a person and, and fully buying into like, all right, Hey, this is who I am. I'm going to use this to my advantage. This is, this is my advantage. I am, I'm unique. Not that everyone's a, special butterfly or snowflake or anything like that yeah, but we're not. Yeah. yeah exactly but it's uh uh you can use what you have to your advantage and, and go from there yeah i remember i guess i was trying to sort it out in college but i remember i was playing summer ball it was my sophomore after my sophomore year and we had this pitching coach his name is bobby st pierre he's a scout somewhere i can't remember with what team i think he's with the royals but he's probably uh, certainly not listening to this but if you if he did he'd probably appreciate that one time, and he was like this very just like straight face. He, he kind of looked like uh, a little bit like Kevin Spacey, and just like very stoic, very hard to read. He played uh, with the he got he was the Cape Cod pitcher of the year, uh, the year he got drafted by the Yankees, made the AAA. He was a very cerebral, smart, like salty baseball guy, and so I was naturally just like super intimidated by him. I really wanted to learn from him, but I just I was just really just intimidated and. I guess I was trying to sort out. I can't remember exactly why I did it, but one day I decided that I needed to be super relaxed on the mound, that it was going to help me out. And, or I just wanted to see if it would help me out. I don't know. I can't remember, I can't remember why I did this. We've all done that. Just trying stuff. But I yawned and I'm naturally like a yawner. Like I'll yawn, not cause I'm bored. I just like, I feel like I have a, a slow breath. And in college when I was like super in shape, my pulse, my resting pulse was like 48. Like I was, my, my dad was a runner and, I think I have good, we have good blood, but, um, I just was a yawner, but I was out there on the mound and I guess I yawned twice and he walked out after the second one. I didn't know I was doing it, but he walked out and he said, if you ever yawn on this effing mound again, you, that you'll be gone. And I was like, well, well, not going to be relaxed anymore. And, uh, looking back on it, I guess that was me trying to explore and just like being a kid and. I didn't explain that to him. I was too scared after that to explain it for sure. Like I wasn't going to make an excuse for myself. Yeah, I for said, sure. Yes. Yes, sir. No more yawning. Yes, sir. Got it. Got it, sir. I, I think we're in a different, different space now too, with just in terms of they let, we're letting pitchers be so much more creative now and, and whatever yeah. is going to work. Like if you're going to get out, get out, if that works for you, like, it's the way to go. So yeah, not a, bad, not a bad way to do it, but. So um, as we start to, to taper down here, what do you think, 
uh, is the future in baseball. You're seeing these kids grow up with all this technology, with all the Instagrams in the world. We've got the, mm-hmm. the the flat ground app, which is great, helping kids get out there in recruiting world. Like so much is changing. Kids throw harder. Uh, baseball's changed a lot, and all these kids that you're recruiting are vastly different than the kids that you have today, and the kids that you have today are vastly different than you or I. Uh, not you or I, but you or me. And mm-hmm. uh, so where do you see the game going in the next five years, and how do you feel like the, all the technology and the mental stuff and all these all these resources that kids have, podcast books, like what's happening with baseball? A huge question. I don't know yeah, where you're going to go with that. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even from what, the year that I – two years I took off from when I was playing, when I got released to the nationals, there was like, there was some data stuff in. And then I came back with the twins 14 was the last year, the nationals and then 15, 16, I was in the ball. And then 17, I was with the twins. It was like night and day in terms of the, the, the tools that we had at our uh, disposal when I, when I was in with the twins, it was incredible. I was, it was so cool. It was so exciting. So I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to the data stuff's cool. Um, I think, I still think we, we're, we're kind of still getting into that. Um, I, I guess I got to think of a way to phrase this, but I still think we need to look at winning as one of the more important tools, like kids that are winners and, and know how to win and come from winning, winning backgrounds. Um, I think it was Ty Blankmeyer on your, one of your podcasts was talking about how uh, yeah. the, the amateur system is tough right now. And I played Legion ball. I didn't play, um, uh, any of the tournament style AAU stuff and Legion, you have a regular season and then you have a playoff and then you have a state championship and, and there's a, there is a true national champion versus if there's 10 national champions for AAU with all these tournaments or however much is going on now. And I think having something to play for versus just having a uh, um, plan for, to get showcased and, and have your skills, skills shown. So I think kids need to put, I don't know if it's a kid's, kids fall out. I don't know how to fix the problem, but, uh, I think that's what I, we like to look for is, is kids that are want to win and know how to win and have been in winning environments, whether that's state champions or, or whatever it is. Um, I think that's super important. So I think we need to, to, to do that. Um, some of the data stuff I think is, I'm not, I don't want to say it's a little much cause it's all awesome. It's super useful and, it, and it's crazy, but I don't, I think, I'm just getting over this fact for myself because I almost think that we can solely rely on data sometimes. And I thought I was almost to the point where I was like, Oh man, baseball is just going to be, we can just predict it almost to a degree and just use this data and and do a really good job and proving that this is going to work in this situation, X amount of times, whatever, but all the percentages. And that, that was kind of dreary for me. And I'm kind of getting through that now and, and realizing like, okay, there, there's still a human element and, and it's going to, uh, it's going to be positive and, and uh, there'll be ebbs and flows. I'm sure we'll kind of get over the hump with the data stuff and, and go more towards, like I said, the mental side. And uh, I read the Astro ball. I thought that was a good book in terms of how they uh, put together their team when they won the world series and, and uh, creating a good clubhouse dynamic and, and that sort of stuff. And, and, that's wild that they're able to kind of quantify that at this point, at least even marginally. Um, it, I think it's super interesting. So uh, I'm excited for where the direction of the game's going. I think it's cool. I think it's uh, new and uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think we've seen how much it's changed in the past 10 years. I can't imagine how it's going to be in the next 10 years, just like the rest of technology. So. <laughs> yeah. My, my business partner, Lucas and I were talking about that in our podcasts and, 
there's just going to be like giant spiders playing left field and, <laughs> you know, multi, yeah. multi ball and like it's gonna be like a big pinball game basically it, i think i think of like uh there's like I don't, I don't know if it was like the simpsons or futurama but like futurama, Fut- i think yeah yeah, ball. yeah it's like uh they're playing this futuristic game where it's just robots and it's uh yeah it's crazy it's 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 cool i mean i i, I I'm not going to knock it because I, I think it's awesome. And I'm a, I'm a huge data guy. I try and do it as much as I can at the college level. And it, it's tough at the college level just because it's, uh, you know, I have as many, many resources, but um, I enjoy doing it. So I, I'm not going to knock it too much. Well, and it's, and I, I can kind of like feel what you're getting at, which is that, and for me, like I'm on the outside, like I'm a private instructor and I, I don't really care what people think, but yeah, I think the data stuff is getting crazy. I think it's getting excessive. I think it's getting overblown really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's afraid to say that out loud. Yeah, I, because if you say that, then you're like stuck in the past. Like you, you exactly. You're, you're not. You're not a growth mindset. You're not a forward thinker. But it's like, look, everyone is just like spouting off data, blah blah blah, and everyone's trying to be the smartest, most data driven person on Twitter, and it's just like a little much. Like, we can find a balance. Baseball is still done by human beings, like you said. There's still a huge mm-hmm. mental aspect. And I love what you said about competing because that's the mental part that you have a bunch of kids who know how to hit the ball hard off the tee, and you know they know how to throw the ball fast. But the kids that, like Ty Blankmeyer said, know how to compete when they're, when they're scared. Like, all right, second and third, winning runs on second. I know how to bear down and compete because I want to win. Like, that's an intangible that's not going away. And that's a, yeah. something you can't necessarily i mean you can help to uh, hopefully you know increase it but some people just they come competitors or they or they aren't you know and um and you, you can see i mean there's people that have had that flip that switch that haven't had in the past too and they've had a ton yeah. of success later on in their careers because they've they've found that for whatever reason uh, yeah and this is not about data like this is just a, a little question at the end but it like the game's definitely changing and i think there's a little bit of fear like because we see everyone getting hired they hired a million college guys, which is great. Like, these are bright guys who have, you know, a lot of uh, they're forward thinkers. They're not afraid to use the new data and the new technology to, to better baseball players. But all this just seems like a little fast and like a little crazy where it's going to pull back in like two years or three years and we'll find a balance again. Yeah. And, and I just, it, it just seems like there's a lot of people, you know, a friend of mine who's a, a, a different friend who's a scout is like dude i mean don't we still value being a smart pitcher don't we still value you know the human part like you said and yeah like, i mean if I, everyone it's like big it's leaguer, like, like bigliers who had who pitched in the big leagues like their experience doesn't matter anymore like you can't be a coach if you pitched in the big leagues but you can be a coach if you're really good on twitter you know yeah, like, yeah there's true. just a weirdness it's a weird period right now where and i'm not picking on any single person like there's a lot of super qualified people in different ways but there's definitely some strangeness to the changes that have happened so fast yeah i, I definitely agree <laughs> it's funny we're we're still young but we're the the old men yelling at the clouds now yeah <laughs> to, yeah. To yeah. A degree. yeah i've just labeled myself uh, as abe as abe simpson <laughs> and, and and I'm not. I mean, I think I'm. No, I, yeah, I completely. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. It's 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 something that we're gonna have to deal with with going forward, uh, for forever with with baseball. And it's it's uh, it's just how we need to find a kind of the the happy medium where it's gonna be uh, 
useful and it's not going to be the end all be all. Yeah. And I think baseball is doing what you and I both described as all these pitchers and ourselves doing. We're, they're trying new stuff out. There's a lot of people getting hired into roles that would never have traditionally been in those roles. And some of them will work out extremely well and some of them won't. And baseball mm-hmm. is baseball is like trying new things and figuring new stuff out and it's different and they're going to figure out who they are. You know, baseball is going to figure out who it is and how much data fits in and how much data doesn't. And they're going to need some of these big leaguers to come back into some of these roles probably to like say, this is how you nurture guys along mentally and where experience matters and where the data ends and how you get a guy through a season when he's, he's hurting and he's mentally beat down and his, he's having trouble at home that the data doesn't help him with. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's and, and even – I think even just uh, how the the mental side will help to affect the data. Like if we we figure out something where the, hey, this we need to be able to have these kids to have these skills, the growth mindset type stuff, because that's going to help produce more positive data, whether it would good statistics and all that stuff. It's it's important, and I I think kind of uh, in the future for myself, that's a, a role that I I am interested in in terms of like doing it's it's having those young kids where it's um just because i i remember i was stuck in the gcl uh, and extended one spring training when i was with the nationals and you see all these kids from latin america or overseas who don't have like i said the the mental toolkit to kind of handle what's going on uh, and having someone there to kind of help them along in that mental side of it uh, i think they're getting better at that at, at the minor league level uh, and I, the, piece, the development part of it not just the skill set but the mental side of it um that's that's what interesting more about than uh working directly with making this guy a better pitcher it's like all right i'm gonna make this kid a good person that's gonna be able to handle himself for the rest of his life that's why i like college too you get to work yeah. with, the, with a little bit younger kids and um yeah i think i think we'll, we'll get there the, the, it'll be a happy medium at some point but uh Point, it's, yeah. it is it is funny the just how how yeah it's new it's new it's exciting it's 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 scary it's i, I do I, I do get a little depressed from it sometimes though it's like man like we're just i'd almost like are is there going to be a point where it's we're just going to max out on baseball it's just we're going to be flatlined on like we optimized it and i know it's kind of ridiculous to say but um i i think i i always think to myself too like is there going to be a point where it's going to be all right, we have two starters that throw 105 and then we have two guys that throw 85 just to kind of like mix it up because that's what the data is telling us now. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves, but just when, when will it regress? How far will it regress? It's interesting stuff. Yeah. It's going to change for sure. So Dave, how can people follow up with you? They want to, um, be the I'm not best too active on geography. I'm not going to be, uh, man. Yeah. I can, I can, I can give them some good map sites, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not social too active. media roadmap. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not too active on social media. Um, they can follow the, the roadie baseball accounts if they want. I, I, I do some of that stuff, but uh, I'm at fave disher. So just switch the D and the F on Twitter. Um, that's the one I, I'm kind of the most active with baseball. Instagram's kind of just my personal family kind of private account. Um, okay. I don't use either too much. I, I was laughing when, when Pete said he just takes from uh, – uh, takes from Twitter and doesn't provide much. And it's not very nice of him. Yeah. But I'm, I'm definitely a lurker on Twitter. I'm always liking stuff. I'm always favoring stuff and saving stuff. So if people want to get in touch with me, uh, yeah, that's probably the best place to do it is at my Twitter. It's at uh, F-A-V-E-V-I-S-C-H-E-R. So Fave right. Fisher. 
I'll, I'll link you so they'll be able to just click through and uh so yeah look for that in the description if you want to follow dave um but thanks thanks for coming on the show man it was good catching up with you again it's been a while for sure it sounds like yeah. you're doing, doing great well, yeah. there and yeah, are you gonna are you gonna be at Saber Seminar again? That was, that's that's where we met with our Lulu pants. Yeah, <laughs> I I think I am. I just enjoyed it. It was a good crowd. Uh, I had my dad with me last year. It was good to to get him kind of into the baseball circles a little bit. And um, you know, hopefully they'll if I if I pitch another talk, they'll they'll have me back. But I've enjoyed sure. it. It's just just good people. Dan Brooks and Chuck Corb, they do an awesome job. Yeah, they're awesome. Awesome. Yeah, awesome it's just people, a very so. nice. Uh, Nice get together, and it's. Oh, I, I did want to say, uh, uh, I did want to say, I'm uh, gonna be the pitching coach for the Bourne Braves this year. So if anyone wants to, is in the Cape and oh, is, nice. uh, um, wants to come say hello, I'll be down there too. So uh, I'm excited for that. I think that's gonna be a cool opportunity for me too. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. So probably everyone in, th- in the Cape throws triple digits now. Jesus. Yeah. Who knows. We'll see. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be cool, man. Baseball's changed, and there's some power arms coming up young, I'll tell you what. so For sure. You see them. All right, well, this was Dear Baseball Gods, and uh, thanks for being with us. Be sure to subscribe here on YouTube or Podcast Land, wherever you are. Share the, the show, especially this one. You know, this one and last week, we had a lot of great talk on the mental side of the game, and it's something that's just it, – it's tough, and it's no one's fault. It's just a tough thing to cover when we have so little practice time in youth baseball. Coaches have so much organization to do. It's tough to to make yourself a a mental corner with your little carpet squares and your and your books and all this stuff like you can in a college program. So it's a really it's a really under appreciated, underrated, underutilized thing. And it's just kind of how the way it is until you get enough contact time like the guys in college do. But um, great talk here today with Dave. Dave, thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Dan. And uh, and thank you for listening. We'll see you here next week on Dear Baseball Gods.